We're so glad that you are checking out this sermon from New Beginnings. Our vision as a church is to become an authentic biblical community that transforms our city and impacts the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this through gathering in worship, growing through community, giving to the kingdom, and going on mission. We know that one of the greatest blessings of the church is getting to pursue this vision that God has given us together. My hope is that we would get the opportunity to connect with you in person and get you plugged into the life of our church. Also, if you have been blessed by the ministries of New Beginnings, we ask that you would consider supporting us financially. You can do so by clicking on the giving tab of our website, nvbctx.org. I pray that you are both encouraged and challenged by the scripture today. So hey, my name is Daniel Norris. I am the campus pastor and teaching pastor here at New Beginnings here in Spring Hill, and I am honored to be here with you this very first Sunday in 2020, and I can't wait to see what God is going to do this year because He did some amazing things last year, and, and I, I believe that the best is yet to come, right? Can anybody say, can I get an amen for that? That the best is yet to come with God. It's always, he's always going to do something even greater than he's done before. And he did some great things in 2019. So I know he's going to do some even greater things in 2020. So this is that time of year, New Year's, right? This is that time of year. I've seen it on everybody's social media where they're, they're posting things like hashtag goals, right? Hashtag get fit in 2020. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to lose 20 in 2020. Anybody going with that one? I'm going to lose 20 in 2020. I've seen all of these things kind of streaming across my social media feed. And so let me ask you this. How many of you have already set some resolutions and some goals for this year? Can I see a show of hands? Anybody willing to admit that you set some goals? Some of you are rebellious and you're like, my, my goal is to not set any goals because I know how that's turned out before. Any of you guys out there like that? Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you going, man, uh, let me just, let me take it one day at a time, right? Let me just see what happens. And so, so let me ask you, if you've set some goals for 2020, we're five days into it, how's it going? <laughs> or, or some of you, like my family, were like, well, you know, the kids don't start school till this week. I, I, I'm going to give myself this week, this first week of January, to kind of get reacclimated, readjust. I'm going to let the kids get back to school, and then I'll start my goals. Any of you with that one? Any of you going with that one? All right, that's, that's kind of where I'm at going. All right, let's just, let's just get everybody off to school. Let's get going, and then we'll start uh, on Monday. That's tomorrow, by the way. Are you aware of that? That's tomorrow. So it starts tomorrow for some of us. So if you work out regularly and you go to the gym and you, you're all about getting healthy and getting fit and, and you're kind of one of those people that just kind of, that's just a way of, life, a way of life for you and you're there all the time. This is that time of the year that just drives you crazy, right? And, and those of you that are, know what I'm talking about, you're going you're to understand this in a minute. Like For those of you that are regular uh, workout people and you're always at the gym, then this is the time of year when it drives you crazy because everybody and their mamas come out of the woodworks they've all got your parking spot, they've got your locker, they've got your equipment, and so you don't even want to go to the gym because you're like, man, where did all these people come from, right? Catch your breath, hold on, just hit pause, hit timeout for just a moment, give it a couple weeks, and they'll all go back to where they came from, <laughs> the couch, where they've been hibernating all year, all right? So just give them a few moments and just give them a couple more days. We're already five days in. Within a few days, they're all going to go back to where they came from, and you'll get your parking spot back. 
You'll get your locker back. You'll get your equipment back. You'll actually be able to do what you normally do. And so I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about all the things that are going on in the life of our church and in the life of my family. And uh, I love health and wellness and fitness. And so uh, speaking of health and fitness, uh, when it comes to training, uh, there's many different styles, there's many different techniques that have come out over the years. And a few years ago in the fitness industry, there was, uh, there was this new method or new technique. It wasn't really anything new, but it just kind of caught a lot of buzz and got a lot of attention. And it was, this, it was this style or this method of training called functional fitness. Anybody ever heard of functional fitness or functional training? I've asked a few of my friends this morning to come up here, and hopefully they'll inspire you and motivate you. So come on up here, guys. Hey, y'all cheer them on. Give them a round of applause while they make their way up here on stage. Grab those weights and come on up here. How many of you expected to show up to church today and get to see a workout on stage on January? Some motivation for you. So I've asked my buddies to come up. Y'all can each get on each side of me. Everybody needs to see you perform these movements. So we're going to do some, uh, some functional fitness on stage and so let me let me just um let's have you guys pick them up to your shoulders and just get a couple good squats in right there just just don't don't rip your jeans or anything we don't want that to happen up here these are just dumbbell squats i mean we have to squat all the time in our everyday lives we have to do these types of movements right okay guys think go ahead and put them down a little bit just bring them down yours so a farmer's carry would just be holding these dumbbells by your side and just walking with heavy weight. You would engage your core, you would engage your legs, and you would walk a certain distance, maybe 50 feet and back, carrying some heavy weight. It's going to work your grip, your forearms. It's going to engage the whole body. That's called a farmer's carry. It's it's a functional movement. We have to pick up things and carry things all the time around the house or at work in our everyday lives, and so it's it's functional. It's something that we would do in our everyday lives. Go ahead and set one of them down, and let's show them another one. Just set one dumbbell down. Let's, let's take the dumbbell in front, and let's do a high pull into a shoulder press. All right, here we go. Ready? And go ahead and just show us how, what you got. Show us what you're working with here. Here we go. Nice. Do a couple of those. Don't, don't hurt your backs. Uh, we don't pay workman's comp here. Don't, don't blow anything out. So that's a, a nice press there. We're not going to make them do what's called a Turkish get-up. Turkish get-up, anything that starts with an Eastern European name, you should rebel against. Okay, because it's 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 ugly. It's hard. It's painful. Hey, y'all give these guys a big round of applause. Thank you, guys. Functional fitness. Here's here's in essence. Here's what functional fitness is. It is adaptation and it is application. It, it, it the, the basics of functional fitness is this. It is doing movements that would help you in your everyday life. Did you know there's a lot of things you do at the gym that really don't help you in your everyday life? I mean, not often do you find yourself just sitting down and curling one, using one arm, one joint, uh, unless you're curling up a a drink or a Subway sandwich or a bag of chips, right? Uh, Very often do you ever do a, just lift anything at home like this in reverse. I mean, those things are all fine if you just want to look good but they're not real functional. They don't really come into play in our everyday lives. And so functional fitness is things that you do, movements, lifts, exercises that are going to carry over and you're going to be able to apply them to your life 
and they're going to help you in your everyday life. You know, a lot of times people, they make all these excuses about working out and fitness. and They think they need all this equipment. They think they need all these big, amazing facilities. They think they need more programming, more trainers, more coaches. And I'm here to tell you today that that's not what you need. See, I could take one of those, or Aaron or George could take one of those dumbbells and make your life miserable. Just with one dumbbell, we could wreck your world and make your life miserable. Here's the reality is you've got to actually know what to do with it. The same is true when it comes to our spiritual lives. Did you know that if you would just take one Bible verse and actually apply it to your life and live it out and do it, that it could completely change your world and change your life? You see, you just got to know what to do with it. You've got to work it. You've got to apply it to your life. One verse could completely change everything if you would actually grab a hold of it and start working it and start applying it to your life. First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy in First Timothy 4.8 and he says these words. He says, hey, bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I want to talk to you today about what it means not to have functional fitness, but what it means to have a functional faith, a faith that works. Last week, Pastor Marcus started talking to us about faith and what faith is and what faith looks like. I just want to continue on that thought process today and talk to you about a functional faith, having a faith that actually works. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fun that we've already had. Thank you for the worship that we have experienced. God, I pray today as we open up your word that you would show us in your word how we can take it and not just hear it, but that we will take it and apply it and do something with it. God, I pray today that you would just grab a hold of our hearts, grab a hold of our minds, that you would change us and transform us from the inside out, and that you would take us and use us in 2020 so that others may see you and come to know you and to love you like we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So we're going to be camping out in James this morning. If you want to turn in your Bibles to James, very first page of James, James chapter 1, is towards the end of the New Testament after Hebrews. So if you, as you make your way there, I just want to give you a little bit of context about this book, James. You see, James, the author and the writer of this book, was the brother of Jesus. I don't know if you knew that, but I, I think that when I look at James and I study his life and I, and I read his word, I think, man, that's probably one of the greatest proofs or greatest evidences for the evidence of Jesus and who he, the, Jesus being who he said he was. And let me explain it this way. How many of you have brothers and sisters? Any of you? Now, how many of your brothers and sisters have ever tried to convince you that they were God? That's James. James was the brother of Jesus, and I'm sure most of his life as he looked at him and he saw the things that he was doing, that he saw all these other people worshiping him and following him and believing in him. James was sitting there scratching his head going, man, I'm not so sure. Like, that's my brother. But what I see when I read the book of James, that James becomes convinced. So if you can convince your own brother that you are God, 
man, I'm all in. And so that's what happens here. James is convinced because he starts off his letter and he says, listen, James, not, hey, I'm James, the brother of Jesus, but he starts off and he says, hey, I'm James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not saying, oh, I'm servant of God and of Jesus, my brother. He says, no, Jesus went from being my brother to being my Lord because I saw him crucified on a cross and I saw him walk up out of that grave. And so he convinced me beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was who he said he was. And so that's who's writing this book of James that we're going to be looking at this morning. James is, is writing to, um, he's writing to the, the 12 dispersed tribes of Israel. In other words, he's writing to the tribes of Israel that have been dispersed and scattered among the Mediterranean region because of persecution. The first century Jewish Christians that had placed their faith and trust in Christ now have been scattered among the region because of persecution, because they're being persecuted for what they believe in. And as James goes on and he starts to write to these Christians that have been scattered among the region, in the very second verse he says, Hey, I want you to know, I want you to count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy when you come across many difficult things, when you face many trials and many tribulations. He says, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith makes you stronger. The testing of your faith is, is going is to create this perseverance, this endurance in you. In other words, what James is wanting them to know is this. That, hey, when you go out in these different areas and when you face opposition and when you face persecution and hardship, you need to know something like this is boot camp. This is the training ground for your faith. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where your faith is going to get stronger. This is where your faith is going to develop endurance. This is where your faith is going to dig deep and get some grit to it. This is where you're going to either make it or break it. In other words, my father-in-law used to tell me this all the time. He'd, he'd look at me and he'd say, Daniel, when we were facing difficult times or when we go, were going through struggles as a family, he'd say, Daniel, this is where your faith becomes reality. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where you either believe it or you don't. This is where you're either going to live it or you won't. So where are you at? And this is what James is saying to his fellow brothers and sisters that are scattered among the region, that are going through difficult times. He's saying, listen, don't be surprised by all this. Don't be, be caught off guard when you go through difficult times. You need to count it joy. You need to consider it a great opportunity for your, for your faith to grow and be strengthened and to develop some endurance. James is saying these things to these believers. He's saying, this is where you're either going to live it or you won't. This is where you're going to make it or break it. This is where the rubber meets the road. You see, these people, these Christians that were living in these regions, they were living among a lot of Gentiles, a lot among, among a lot of pagan culture, a lot of non-believers. And the people in these communities, they needed to see the gospel lived out in front of them. They need to see it lived out in a real, 
and functional way. Our communities that we live in today in 2020 are not much different. There's still a lot of skeptics out there, probably more so now than ever. And our communities that we live in, they need to see a real and functional faith that is lived out in front of them so that they can see it. They don't need to hear it. They need to see it. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, one of my favorite verses of this book, uh, he says, hey, listen, don't merely listen to the words and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. You could summarize that by saying, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. You got to love James because he just comes out of the gate swinging, right? No tippy-toeing around, no, no sugarcoating it. He's the kind of guy I like him. He just tells it like it is. He just says, hey, if you want to do something, if you want, you want me to tell you like it is, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves and think you're better than you really are. Listen and now let it, go, let it motivate you to now go and live it out. Go and do something with it. He says, don't just fill your head with a bunch of knowledge. In other words, knowledge without application, what he's saying is pretty powerless, pretty meaningless. You can know a lot of things, and if you're not doing those things, then what good does knowing do you, right? You just got a bunch of information. Any of you know a bunch of meaningless facts of information where you're like, why do I even know that? Like, what good does that do me, right? You see, let me give you an example. I, I could sit on a couch talking about fitness. I've got a degree in exercise science, exercise physiology. I used to own a sports training facility for six years and train athletes from the youngest to the oldest to professional athletes. And I could sit on a couch and shove Twinkies in my mouth and drink a soda and talk to you about things like ATP energy conversion at the cellular level. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? That means well, I could tell you what happens when you start moving and exercising and all of a sudden your muscles start burning and you're wondering, why does this burn and hurt so much? It's because your muscles have run out of oxygen, one of the ingredients they need to fire at the, neuron, at the neurons to fire. And now that they've run out of oxygen, they're producing a byproduct called lactate or lactic acid. And that is why your muscles are burning and hurting because they are producing a toxic that your body does not like. And I could sit there and tell you all those things while I'm eating Twinkies and drinking a Coke and I could give you all of this knowledge and I could also sit there with a soda in my hand and a bag of chips and talk to you about when you work out, when you put your muscle under tension, other, under resistance, that you actually are tearing muscle fibers. There are micro tears in the muscle tissue tissue. And when you tear those muscles, your body then repairs them with amino acids and proteins. And that, that's what causes your muscles to grow and get stronger and get more dense and become more powerful. It's because your muscles have been torn and now your body fills in the gaps and repairs them. And I could sit there and tell you all these things and regurgitate all this information like I just did. And some of you are sitting there looking at me going, what good does this do me? Exactly. I could sit there while shoving Twinkies in my mouth and drinking a soda and tell you all these things. And you'd say, listen, that knowledge and all the things that you just spit back at me does you absolutely no good if you're sitting on the couch eating Twinkies, drinking soda, 
You need to actually get up off the couch and apply that knowledge and do something with it and start moving and start working and start training. And then that knowledge now becomes applied to your life and that application now leads to growth. You tracking with me? That knowledge now becomes growth in your life. You start to do something with what you know. You see, there's a big difference in knowing and doing. There is a huge difference, a huge gap. A lot of people know a lot of things, but a lot of people don't do a lot of things. And that's why James is saying to us and he's saying to, to his audience here, he's saying, listen, you've got to do something with it. It only works if you work it. I think somebody here today needs to hear that. I think maybe somebody watching online needs to hear those words. That it only works if you work it. Can you say that with me? Say, it only works if you work it. You've got to apply the Word to your life. You've got to do what you know. You've got to take what you know. And you've got to do something with it if you want to grow. James 1.27, at the end of the first chapter, James says that, hey, this is what pure religion is religion that is pure and undefiled before god the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world you see when reading the book of james or when reading any other text in the scripture we have a tendency to do this we see the big one and then the big two we see chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we have this tendency as we read to look at this and go, well, at the end of chapter 1, there's a hard break, and that stops that thought process, and now chapter 2 is a standalone. That's not it at all. You see, this would not have had chapters in it when James wrote it. This would have been one solid continuous letter, one train of thought, one conversation where James just continues to write to his friends, to write to his audience, and he goes from chapter 1 right into chapter 2, and it doesn't stop. There's not a break. These things are all connected. One does not stand alone, and two is not on its own. The things in two are connected to one, and the things in one are connected to two, if that makes sense. You see, here's what James is saying at the end of chapter 1. He, he, he addresses and he, he reminds his audience of the orphans and the widows in their communities. And he says those are the ones who are completely powerless. They cannot help themselves. They are hopeless. They are in great despair. And if someone does not stand in the gap for them, if someone does not reach out to them, if someone does not minister to them and help them, then they'll probably just fade away and die off to the side. And so he's saying, I want you to, he's reminding them, uh, don't forget the essence and the purity of the gospel that when you were an orphan, when you were a widow, when you were completely hopeless, when you could not do anything for yourself, someone stepped in on your behalf. Jesus, He came to your rescue and He stepped in for you and He did for you what you could not do for yourself. And now in light of that, now that you have received that gift of love, salvation, now that you've received that gift of love and mercy and grace, I want you to go and give it to others. 
I want you to go and offer it to those out there that are, that are hopeless, those that are hurting, those that can't do anything for themselves. I want you to go now and give away the gift of love and mercy and grace and give it to others. With that thought, in pro- that thought process in your minds, go on into James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. You'll have to probably flip the page over. James 2.14 with that thought process in mind with orphans and widows and the essence of the gospel that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves, that He came and lived a life we could not live, that He died a death in our place, that He conquered sin and death in the grave, all of that for us. And now we have received that gift of salvation and love. James says we should be living it out in a real tangible way and giving it to others. And he starts with verse 14 and he says this. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? I think if James were here today in 2020, that he might say it like this. He'd probably say, hey, church, hey, Christians, like you say that you have faith. Really? Because I can't see it. You say that you believe these things. You've heard these things. You've got all this knowledge. But what are you doing with it? Because when I look around, I don't see many of you doing the things that Jesus said to do. That's what James would say to a lot of churches and a lot of people in 2020. And that's what he was saying to this first church. He's saying, you have all this knowledge. You say that you believe these things. That what are you doing with it? If you just tell someone that you hope and wish them well, but you do nothing to meet their needs, then what good is that? Your faith is not functioning properly. Your faith is not being lived out for anyone else to see. In other words, he would say, I don't see much proof. You know, they say proof is in the pudding, right? He'd say, I don't see much proof. He would say, there are lost people out there who are poor and hungry and broken and they need someone to stand in their defense. They need someone to come along and show them the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. They need to see a real and functional faith in action. In fact, James might use some phrases that we use. See if you guys can help me out with these. They're going to be on the screen. See if you can fill in the blank. James would say something like this. Hey, as Christians, we need a lot less talk and a lot more action. You know what? Guess what? He would say this. He would say, hey, actions speak louder than words actions speak louder than words you know what church guess what talk is cheap James wanted them to know and he wants us to know this listen don't miss this write this down if you're taking notes highlight this make sure you hold on to this in 2020 because tomorrow when you walk back into the office and you're sitting around the break room as some of us have the tendency to do we start to take everything that's up here and we just vomited onto other people we take all of this wisdom and all of this knowledge and all of these things that we're learning and we just 
spew it out. And so tomorrow when you're tempted to do those things, I want you to remember this thought. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Did y'all catch that? Let me say that one more time. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's what James wanted his original audience to understand as he said, listen, you could sit there and tell them all the things you know about God and all the things you know about faith and they could care less. But if you will put your faith into action and love them and serve them and help them and meet their needs and love the unlovable, love your enemies and do, treat them well, love your neighbor as yourself, if you'll do those things, it will get their attention. You will preach the gospel without ever saying a word. It's one of my favorite quotes. It says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, speak. You can preach the gospel without ever saying a word. Verse 17, James goes on. He says, so also by faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What's James saying here? He's saying, if your faith is not functioning, if it's not moving, if it's not serving, if it's not giving, if it's not going, then it must be dead. There's no motion. There's no life in it. It must be dead. Don't miss this. You see, these loving deeds, these works that James is talking about, these loving deeds of service, they're not a substitute for, but rather a verification of our faith in Christ. You see, we love because He first loved us. And now we love others in response to the fact that we have been loved. We love because we've been loved. You see, James is not saying, I don't want you to walk away from here today going, well, pastor said that we got to earn our salvation, that we better get busy serving and going and giving and doing all these things, or we're not going to be saved. That's not what I'm saying. Don't miss this. James is not saying that we earn our salvation by doing all of these things. He's saying we do all of these things in response to our salvation. We've been loved. We've been forgiven. We've been given grace. We've been given mercy. And because we've been given all these things, how can we not go and give it away? It's out of the overflow of our heart and everything that we've experienced that we go and we live and we move and we have our being in Christ Jesus who rescued us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. We live in response to all that we've been given. And that's what James wants his audience and wants us to know is that you've been given so much. You were dead and completely helpless in your sins. And Jesus Christ raised you from the dead and has given you new life. 
How can you not live in such a way so that all of those out there who are still dead in their sins can see it and have the opportunity to respond and receive life themselves? That's the challenge for us as believers. That we should now go and do and go and live so that others can see it in us and want what we have. It's once you've been transformed, you can't stay where you were. You've got to go and you've got to do what the, the Bible and the Gospel calls you to do. He's saying we do these things in response to our salvation. You see, it's the love of Christ that has rescued us. And now it compels us to love and serve others. In Matthew 25, if you just flip to the left, Jesus gives us a very sobering, uh, powerful picture of what real, authentic, functional faith looks like. Matthew 25 is a, is a challenging text to read. Matthew 25, Jesus Himself says these words. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. He says, I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer Him, saying, Lord, when did we do these things? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. When you saw those people that were hopeless and helpless and they couldn't do anything for themselves and you went out of your way and you gave them something to eat, you gave them something to drink, you went and gave them clothes, you went and visited them in the hospital or visited them in prison. When you did it for them, you did it to me. And he reminds them, he's saying, listen, when you love, when you give, when you serve the least of these, it's as if you're doing it to me. In other words, Jesus wants us to know this is what matters most. This is why I came for the least of these, to rescue those who could not rescue themselves. This is faith in action. This is our, our greatest example of how to live. We don't have to look any further than Jesus. Jesus is our example. You see, Jesus always moved towards those in society that everyone else moved away from. Did you catch that? The ones that were rejected, the outcasts, those that were pushed aside, those that society wanted nothing to do with, those that were pushed outside the city gates, those that were looked down upon, those that were rejected, the misfits, the B team, the JV, the ones that didn't even make the team. Those were the ones that Jesus always moved towards while everyone else was moving away from them. So let me ask you this this morning. Which direction are you moving? Are you moving towards those who are down and out, the outcasts, the rejects, the homeless, the sick, the hurting, the broken and the lost? Or are you doing this and moving away from them? Because whichever direction you're moving says a lot about your faith and a lot about your life. He's called us 
to be His representatives. He says, go and do as I have done. Love as I have loved. Serve as I have served. Give as I have given. And He gave it all. He gave His very life for the least of these. We've got to be willing to do the same. We've got to love the way Jesus loved. We've got to move towards those that everyone else is moving away from. In verse 41, He goes on and He says these words. He says, Then He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, you, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave Me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it unto me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will enter into eternal life. So listen, Jesus is saying something. He's saying, do these things. Not to earn your salvation, but do these things because they've been done unto you. Do these things because you've already received these things. And so guess what? If Jesus Himself in the Bible, in the red letter says, hey, this is what I want you to do, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what Jesus says to do. If I believe Him, like Pastor Marcus talked about the other day, if I believe Him and I trust Him and I love Him and I've placed my faith in Him, then I'm going to do what He says to do. I'm going to respond in obedience to my King. If the King says step, I'm going to step. If the King says go, I'm going to go. If the King says stay, I'm going to stay. If the king says, this is what I want you to do, then I'm going to do it because I love the king. See, John 14, 15, Jesus himself says this. He says, if you love me like you say you do, that's my own words in there, but if you love me, then you will obey my commands. If you love me, you'll do what I say, in other words. You see, if someone says that they believe in God, but you see no functional faith in their lives, no action, no obedience, no transformation, then it begs the question, have they really placed their faith and trust in Christ? If they say they believe, but you see no functional faith in their life, you see nothing playing out, nothing working in their life. In other words, Jesus Himself said, you judge a tree by its fruit. If they say they're an apple tree, but there's no apples, you've got to question and go, I don't see any apples, so I'm wondering, is that really an apple tree? They can say it all day long. I can try to convince you that this is an apple tree, but if it never produces an apple tree, then I've got to go, man, this tree is worthless. This tree doesn't produce what it's supposed to produce, so it must not be an apple tree. If I say I'm a Christian, but I don't do the things that God says to do, if I say that I love God, but I don't show it by doing the things He asks me to do, then I've got to ask myself, are you really a Christian? Are you really a true, devoted follower of Jesus? Because He says, if you love me, 
then you will do what I say to do. And I tell you, go and love the least of these. Go and serve. Go and give. Go and help. Go and extend mercy to those. Go and do these things. You see, the greatest proof of faith in is a transformed life. The greatest proof of faith is a transformed life. I remember a few years ago, about to tell my age here, but a few years ago when Facebook, it hadn't been out long. I know some of you younger guys are like, it's been around my whole life. No, just a few years ago. Uh, Facebook had come out a few years ago. And I was, I'd been on a mission trip to Haiti. This is probably 2008 or 9. I don't remember the exact year. And uh, some of my, my students had posted a picture of me standing up with my Bible in my hand, preaching to a room full of Haitians, a bunch of orphans and widows. And they posted it on Facebook and Instagram. And, and a friend of mine that I'd known since I was 13 years old saw it. And he wrote me a message on Facebook Messenger. That's probably the first message I'd ever received on Facebook Messenger. I didn't know it existed at the time. And here's his words. He said, man, what happened to you? Who are you? And I sat back and I thought, what? He goes, you don't even seem to be the same person that I used to know. Seems to me these days that you must be a man of God. And to his, my response to him was, you would be correct. I'm not who I was. That person you used to know was dead and gone. I buried him a long time ago. I placed my faith and trust in Jesus and He changed everything about my life. And so the person you used to know is dead and gone. But let me tell you about Jesus and here's what He's done for me. And He can do the same for you. You see, the greatest proof of our faith is a transformed life. I believe that the greatest compliment that anyone could ever give you as a disciple of Jesus is for them to say something like that. Who are you? What have you done with the old you? Where's my old friend? Where's that person I used to party with and hang out with and go and raise hell and do all these things with? What happened to them? Where did they go? Who are you? You're not the same person. You see, when someone looks at your life and they see your faith being lived out, they should ask those types of questions. They should say, what happened to you? Actions speak louder than words. Talk is cheap. We should not just hear the word, but we should apply the word and then go and do what the word says and live it out. People should look at your life and be left speechless. So let me ask you this morning, New Beginnings, as we start another year, when people look at your life, can they see your faith? You don't have to answer. I just want you to think about that for a moment. When people look at your life, 
can, without you saying a word, can they see your faith? Is it a functional faith? Is it a real faith that they can see and touch and, and experience because you are doing the things that the Word of God says to do? If not, then here in a moment, when I pray, we'll have some prayer partners up here at the front. Here in a moment when I pray, you're going to have the opportunity to maybe place your faith in Christ for the very first time. You're going to have the opportunity to move from death to life. You're going to have the opportunity to have a before and after story where someone may look at you in a week, a month, a year from now and go, who are you? What happened to you? Something is different. You're not the same person that I used to know. And that's going to open up a door, an opportunity for you to say, you're exactly right. I've been made new. The old me, dead and gone. But there's a brand new me because of who Christ Jesus is. For others of you, you've heard the word, as James would say. Now he would also say, well, what are you going to go and do with it? You've heard it. Now what are you going to do with it? See, I, I, I love this church and I, I love what we're about at this church. When I think about the world of fitness and having owned some fitness facilities and all those things, kind of bringing this thing full circle, there's a lot of different models out there, so to speak. And there's a lot of big gyms that here's what they, their goal is. They want to have five, six, seven thousand members that sign a contract and set up auto draft where they draft your bank account. And I've had friends that have owned and managed and ran these before. And here's what they want and what they hope for. Is they hope that you sign up, but they hope that you never show up. And here's why. Because they got your money. You just don't show up. And if you don't show up, you don't use and wear out their equipment. And there's no accountability there. There's no, they don't care about you. They don't want you to grow. They don't want you to accomplish your goals. They could care less. They just want your membership and your money, and they don't want you to show up. That's not New Beginnings' model. Let me tell you about New Beginnings. We're a church, and yes, we're pretty large, but we have opportunities for you to go and to get into small groups, life groups, where you have the opportunity to get with other people who are chasing after the same things in 2020, where people will know you and you'll know them and they'll hold you accountable and they'll look at you and there, there's going to be days where you go through 2020 because I'm sure there were days in 2019 where you thought, man, I don't know if I can keep going. I feel like I've hit the wall again. I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I can't put one foot in front of the other. And it's on those days that you need community around you. It's in those days that you need accountability. It's in those days that you need someone when you can't pick yourself up, that they come along and they pick you up off the ground and say, you can do this. 
You got this, and we're going to help you, and we're going to walk with you, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to strive with you each and every step of the way, because that's what brothers and sisters do. You see, that's what the model that I like is when you, you have a, accountability, you have community, you have people around you that are all chasing after the same things. There's strength and there's power in numbers. But if all you ever do is come and sit on the back row, sorry for those people on the back row today, this isn't calling you out. But if all you ever do is slip in and slip out, there's no accountability. You're not known. We don't know you. You don't know us. You just come and you sit and you sing and you go about it and you try to face life on your own. It's a tough place out there. It's going to be a hard road. I wish I could tell you that 2020 is going to be full of yellow brick roads and butterflies and flowers, but I promise you there are storms that are coming. And when the storms come, you need community around you that's going to support you and love you and encourage you and help pick you up when you can't pick yourself up. So if you're not in a community group, then I would say, what are you waiting for? You don't have to do this thing on your own. You need community and family around you that will love you and support you and encourage you and cheer you on every step of the way. 2020 is going to be an incredible year. I hope and pray that we will see more people than we've ever seen come to know Christ. That we will baptize more people because we are not a church that just comes and sits and hears the Word, but we're a church that gets up and goes out and does what the Word says. That we are people of functional faith. We are people that put action behind our words. We are people that live out the Gospel. And I pray that this year also we would see more people in community, doing life together than we've ever seen before. But only you can make that decision. I want to challenge you. Don't let another week go by without seeking out our life group pastors our other, and just getting connected and going, how can I get in a community and grow in 2020? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we have seen and that we have heard this morning. God, I pray that it would not stop there, that it would not fall upon deaf ears. God, I pray that now that we have heard, that we will apply it to our lives, that we will work the Word, that we will do what it says, that we will be men and women of functional faith that go out and love the least of these, that go to the hard places, that move towards the people that everybody else is moving away from. God, I pray that you would press upon the people's hearts today that if they're not in community, if they're not surrounded by others, that today would be the day that they go, I'm going to step up and step into true, authentic, biblical community. And I'm going to make 2020 the greatest year it's ever been because of who Jesus is and what he's done. I'm going to live for him. And everybody said, amen. I hope that you have enjoyed this message. If you have any questions about anything that you have heard today or would like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, feel free to call our church offices at 903-759-5552 or send us an email at info at nbbctx.org. As for staying up to date with what's going on at New Beginnings, follow us on our social media accounts. Have a great rest of your day.